Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Amen. What a powerful reminder. And because we're image bearers of God, that's the thing that we have in common, every single one of us. Whether you're rich or poor, male, female, what kind of background you have, it doesn't matter. We are image bearers of God. And that's why I think we're made to connect. And we have to understand this as we think about our lives, as we think about other people around us. We all have different stories, but the commonality is we're made in the image of God. And the question is, how do we treat one another so that we can display the grace and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, not only to one another here, but to a world that is dying that have not heard the message of Christ. I like what Charles Spurgeon said in his book, The Salt Cellar. He says this, none are more unjust in their judgments of others than those who have a high opinion of themselves. One of the reasons why some of you are very judgmental towards other people is because you have a very high view of yourself. I will take that one step further. Some of you, because either where we're interacting with you or we see it in this generation, you are borderline narcissistic. And because of that, everything is about you. And therefore, when you have a high view of yourself, not a healthy view, but a high view of yourself, opinion of yourself, it is easy then to judge everyone around you. And this is why the, only the gospel can set us free from this bondage of judging other people and having a healthy opinion of ourselves so that we can learn how to love one another and give grace to one another. So here's the one thing that I want us to focus in on as we look at chapter 14. It's simply this. When God's love is shared in community, then we can reach out to others in unity with our hearts together that we are going to reach out not only to one another, but to reach out to the world. It has to be done in community that we've been emphasizing for ever since the start of our church in 2015. The biblical community is what we're all about. And so I'm going to kind of focus in on two points that kind of it's zoomed in in chapter 14, and it's nicely broken up, and I'm going to talk about that. But once again, I hope you've been following along. If you've been joining us for the first time, we've been going over the book of Romans. And we've said in the first 11 chapters, it's all a theological foundation and framework that we are saved not by our own righteousness, but it is by the righteousness of Christ, and it is by faith alone. So here is God inviting us into his kingdom so that we can be kingdom citizens. And he is right now, not only did he redeem, he is now restoring all things to himself. That's why every single one of us in this room, even though you don't feel like it at times, you are living on a mission and you have a purpose because you are a part of the kingdom. And then in chapter 12, and we're going to close out in chapter 16 in several weeks, but in chapter 12 and chapter 13 so far in these two chapters that we covered recently, it's all about applying everything that we talked about in chapter 1 through 11. 
That's why I love chapter 12 through 16. It's just practical application in light of what he was arguing for for 11 chapters. So now we're heading into chapter 14. And if you remember last week, we talked about submitting to authority. We also talked about learning how to be generous and loving people. Now we're going to look at this idea of why is it that we judge people that hinders us from being in community so that we can reach out to others in unity. The first thing is this. The thing that we see, if we want to have the sense of community so we can reach out to others in unity, is that we must esteem one another. We must esteem one another. Some of you, I know that there are times when we use words that you're like, I don't know what that means. Uh, and you, some of us, we think we know what it means, so we just kind of nod our heads. But when we ask you to define it, you don't know it. So therefore, we decided to go to the top. And we're going to use the Cambridge Dictionary, right? So it's either Cambridge or Oxford, the schools that many of us uh, know about. Okay, we'll just end it there. We'll just end it there. The Cambridge Dictionary defines esteem as this, to respect someone or have a good opinion of them. So that if you esteem somebody, what you're saying is that you are respecting them and you are having a good opinion of them. Now, this idea of respecting people and have a good opinion of others is a very important part of loving one another as well as building community. Just think about your life group right now. As you think about your life, you realize that if you do not respect your leaders, you do not respect the people around you, right away, you're not going to have a great life group. That's the fact. But when you learn how to esteem one another, because you realize that they're doing their best, they're praying, they're trying to reach out to you, they're doing everything that they can, then you realize, wow, they're, they're giving their best. Or even your members, just your peers, as they are coming week after week, committing their time, committing their energy, you realize, wow, I, I really get blessed by their heart. So once again, when you learn how to esteem people, that's when you see life groups that turn out well. The interesting part of this is that Apostle Paul starts off this chapter 14, and he addresses two groups of people. I want you to follow along. He addresses two groups of people, and he uses two examples. So there's one group he's going to address, there's another group he's going to address, and he's going to use one example to address both groups, and he's going to use another illustration to address both groups to make his point and make it very clear about esteeming one another. And so as we look at this, you need to understand he uses the Gentile believers as well as the Jewish believers. Those are the two groups. And then he uses the issue of food, and then he uses the issue of special religious days to make his point. So I'm just giving you a 35,000 feet overview. And so let's just jump right into it. Uh, let me read verses one through four. Listen to what the word of God says. I'm going to read it from the ESV. Chapter 14 of the book of Romans says this. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables vegetarian all right so there you go uh let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and not and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats for god has welcomed him who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another it is before his own master that he stands or falls and he will be upheld for the lord is able to make him stand let's just pause here and listen to his argument that he's trying to make. 
Right away, Apostle Paul addresses those who are weak in faith. We need to be clear in this. It is not necessarily that this person is just very immature. Pretty much what Paul is trying to argue is in this example, there are some people engaging in this that their faith is not strong enough to overcome or to deal with this. There are others who are strong enough. That's why those who are strong in the faith who can handle the situation and be able to live in the freedom that Christ has given. Now, this is very important. The things that are weak for you might not be weak for me. The things that are weak for me might not be weak for you. The things that are strong for you that you don't have to really try, you can overcome. It's it's not a temptation. It's not a big deal. It might be a temptation for me. That's why Paul makes it very clear. You have to understand and be aware of yourself. You have to be aware of people. And you have to be aware of the circumstances that you're in. Uh, Let me give you an example. When I was in high school, I drank a lot. Not water, but uh, (laughs) it looked like water. And you mix it with different things. I drank a lot of alcohol. All the parties I went to, all the stuff that I did, there were times where I was just knocked out. I don't even know where I was. There were things that I did. I'm I'm not proud of, but I'm just saying I drank a lot of alcohol when I was in high school. And then I encountered Christ powerfully at a party where I felt so empty. And I met him powerfully. He spoke to me. And I felt his presence there. And I recommitted my life to Christ. And I said, one of the first things I'm going to do is I'm going to stop all this. So after that moment, I was sober for almost 18 years. So when I, what I do know is this. When I was 17 years old and I had that encounter with Jesus, because I received him as Lord and Savior when I was 13, but I did not follow him. But when I had that re-encounter with him when I was eight, uh, 17 years old in that summertime, I went sober for about 18 years, and I just know that I was weak, that if I was around alcohol, if I was around people or even near a bar, that it would, it would be tempting for me. That's why I made a hard decision that I'm going to be sober because I, I want to be in right frame of mind and everything that I'm doing. So after about 18 years, uh, we went out to eat one time. And then uh, we were having a nice steak dinner. And the company that I was with, they offered some wine. And there are situations where you're like, okay, if I reject it, I'm in trouble. You know, and you know, you're going to lose face, all this kind of stuff. And I don't know why, but there wasn't this strong like, temptation like, oh, gosh, if I drink this, I'm going to die. I'm going to go back to Thank you for the glass. You have it. Give me the bottle. You know, it wasn't like that. And that's when I realized in that moment that no longer is it a weak issue of faith, but now I could drink uh, a glass of wine with a steak or whatever it may be because over that period of time, I have grown stronger to that. Are you with me? Do you guys understand what I'm trying to say? It's not about maturity or not. The weak in faith or strong in faith. It's simply saying that there are things in your life that if you were to be around that situation, you will be weak in your faith. You will give in to that temptation. And that's why unless you know yourself, you're going to keep on falling into these kinds of things. Some of you, if it's a party or some of you, it's certain kind of peer pressure. If some of you, it's at work and there's certain kind of ethical things. If you are weak in those things, then once again, you should not put yourself in those situations. That's called foolishness. That's about knowing yourself, knowing the situation and knowing other people. That's part of maturity in that sense. 
But that's what Paul is talking about here. Now, why is that important? Why is this important to talk about that? Because in this context, there were some believers who thought that if you ate meat, that it was wrong. Now, it's not any kind of meat, but it was meat that was near a temple. It was the meat that was used to sacrifice to idols. So in their conscience, they realized, I cannot eat that. Because if I eat it, I'm eating meat that's been offered to idols. For, so for them, it was a weak issue. So they said, you know what? I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to just eat vegetables. Hence, vegetarians for life. But for the other believers who didn't grow up in the Christian home or the Jewish home in this situation, that they grew up in a Gentile background, of just a pre-Christian background. They had no Jewish religious laws that they were so inundated with. So for them, they just knew that all things were created by God and eating meat, even though it was sacrificed to idols, it's okay. So they would eat it. And so those who are weak in faith should not eat the meat because it's going to bother your conscience. But those who are strong in their faith, it's not an issue for them, so they're able to eat it. So can you imagine what's going on right now? Is that a lot of these things came out of their conviction. So if you're convicted that you should not eat meat because they were sacrificed to idols, it was next to that temple God. And then you see this Christian who's a Gentile. Hey, what's going on, man? You know, can, can, can you imagine like the thought that's going through that person's mind? In the same way, this person is eating and he can, he can feel some weird vibes coming from that person. Do you, do you want some? No. Okay. <laughs> you, you see the dynamics that's happening here. Many of us, you could fill in the blank. It's with a lot of different things. Some of you grew up in a very conservative home, and certain things were no-no. You cannot watch movies. I, I've met people, you cannot watch R-rated movies. You couldn't do uh, certain things. And so every single time, they would go out in public with their friends. They're like, oh, we're going to go see a movie. They're like, oh, sinner. You know, oh, that's bad. <laughs> And then those people who are free to watch movies and do something, like, what's your problem? You're such a legalist. So we judge them that way. So this is what he's trying to address. Because those who understood their freedom in Christ, they're not bound by these laws. They're free in Christ. But there were some people who still struggled that it bothered their conscience. Now, Paul is interesting because he used the word welcome. I want you to look at verse 1 and verse 3. You see that word welcome. There's no double L. It just says welcome here. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, don't know. I don't know why. Sometimes my mind just goes all over the place. Maybe I need to buy some groceries. Anyway, um, welcome. And the phrase welcome him means to accept. It is this relational connotation that means to letting people in with an open heart and arms to eagerly ready to share your life. That's what it means. This word, it means welcome. You are opening up your heart with open arms to welcome them into your life. That's what it means here when he says welcome him. The other translations convey this idea. and the Amplified, it says this. As one of, uh, let me read it up here. It says, as for the one whose faith is weak, and what does it say? Accept him into your fellowship, but not for the purpose of what? Quarreling over opinions. See, that was the problem. Because these guys were, had their opinion. That's wrong. These guys had their problem and said, I love that you're a vegetarian because more meat for me. You know, so they're, they're, you know, they had their opinions. 
And so this is what's going on. And it says, welcome him, accept him. Here's another translation of the Living Bible. Listen to what it says. It says, give what? A warm welcome to any brother who wants to join you, even though his faith is weak. Don't criticize him for having what? Different views from yours about what is right and wrong. This is the reason why ever since five years ago or four years ago, when the whole protest and the social unrest broke out in Hong Kong, why I was so adamant about where our church stands on this issue. Because you get people from both sides. And I've been very clear, very consistent. If there's injustice from this side or this other side, then we're going to speak up. Yes, there were a lot of injustices done here. There were some injustices done here. You don't stab police officers. And so when I look at this, that's when I spoke up. But there were people who left our church because they didn't like the fact that uh, our color wasn't as light. And I just said, we're going to do our best to speak up on injustice. We're going to have different views. Even right now, today, some of you have different views on so many other things, whether it's towards the government, whether it's towards just your life group. You have all different views. And all some of us, what we do is we like to cluster around people that we like and are just like us. You see all the vitriol, everything that's going on in the social media until somebody, uh, you know, who started an electric company, a car company, had to buy it. You know, and now, like, people are, like, free to say whatever they want to say again. Misinformation, whatever, it doesn't matter. But what I'm trying to say is this, that oftentimes when we have people who disagree with us, the natural thing is to shut them down. Instead of learning how to love them and not making your opinions the primary thing. Because that's all about pride. It's about what you think is right. You have a high opinion and view of yourself. Rather than looking at that person who's made in the image of God. Yes, they're different. Yes, they annoy you. Yes, there are certain things that you don't like about them. But because they're made in the image of God and they're part of the family of God, that you will love them. Can I just get a good amen to that? Amen? There are some people right now in your life you do not like. Come on now. Some of you are like, no, you're lying. Or let me bring some people to you. Some colorful, lively uh, people. So then he's establishing this. And let's continue on in verse 5 through 12. Listen to what he says. He says this, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. Since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you who, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue conf shall confess to God. So then each of you will give an account of himself to God. 
you know, it's kind of interesting because he's already addressing these two groups. He talks about food. And now he's talking about this special day. The second example that Paul is giving is he's trying to if, if reinforce that some people will say this is the day that we should do X, Y, Z. And some people are like, no, this is a better day. Because this is when, you know, Jesus did this, or this is when, you know, my great grandmother, great, 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 great grandmother crossed the Red Sea. I don't know. I don't know. This is whatever. This is a very special day. And so they're arguing which are the holy days are the really the best days to do this or that. And here they are going back and forth. And so what is Paul saying in the same argument that he did for the food? He's saying that there were some people, as they felt this way, he says what in verse 5? Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. That phrase fully convinced can be translated as fully persuaded or assured in his own mind. So what he's simply saying is this. Stop going back and forth and you think this is your opinion, but be convicted. Have a conviction on something. Some of you right now, some of you are like, oh, I'm convicted. Well, until your mom says something. I'm convicted until there's a situation that's out of your control. I'm convicted, and you fill in the blank, until your friends say something. Until you don't get a job. Until you don't get what, what, it, what, what it is you're seeking after. So do you see the problem? Paul is simply saying, stop going back and forth, but be convinced fully in your mind. Be persuaded that this is from God. This is what I'm going to do because I want to love God and I want to obey God. That's why listen to some of these different translations. It says this in the voice translation. In, all these, in, in these matters, all must reach what? Their own conclusions and satisfy their own minds. They're not saying that you got to be like the group think. Or, or on the other stream, like a rebel, and you got to come over. They're like, oh, no, it's down. Left. No, we're going to go right. Because that's a different issue of your pride. But what he's saying is like, can you, I mean, let, let me translate it in the way I, can you back it up with scripture of some of the convictions that you have? I'm not a big fan when someone comes up to me for counseling and they go, Pastor, God told me. Then I'll go, okay, let me just pray for you. We're done. We're done. Number one, if God told you that I'm not going to compete against God. Number two, if God told you, are you sure? Did you talk with other people? Because I'm a firm believer, if it really is God, the same spirit that's in me is the same spirit that's in you, then there will be at least some general support or consensus. That doesn't mean you have to find everyone's support. But what you do understand is that as soon as you say God spoke to me, and you cannot back it up with consistency of Scripture, and there are times where you're not going to be able to explain but what I'm saying is for those of you who would like to use that to cover up your own selfishness, your own ambition, the things that you want, no one's going to touch that when you say, God told me. We're not going to go there. I, we have trained our leaders. If that is what they, back, stand down. Unless we're a cult. Cult, cult. No, you didn't. You got to listen to us. <laughs> we will stand down. We might give you some advice. We might give you some perspective, some things you're not thinking about, maybe some things because you, you're, you're not even aware of yourself. You're not even aware of situations around you. 
And even after those things, if you still feel like God is calling you or to do whatever it is, then we, we, we are not going to come against you. But with that understanding, you better do your homework and really pray and begin to see what is it scripture that God is trying to say. What, what I'm doing, can I be confident that it's not, not my feeling, but it's from the Lord. So here is Paul saying you got to be fully persuaded, fully convinced. And then here's another translation, and it says this. It says, there are good reasons either way. Isn't that true? Amen? How many of you guys went to your leaders and like, yeah, okay, can you give me some advice? And they're like, yeah, there's pros here, and there's pros over here. They're like, okay. And there's cons here, and there's cons. Over, forget you then. You know, I, I'm going to go to Pastor Seth. Uh, well, there's pros here and pros over here. There's cons here and cons here. Then you're like, okay, forget it. Never mind. I'm going to go to my prayer closet and pray. Uh, yeah, that's what you should be doing. So I'm telling you right now, there are good reasons on both sides. So each person is what? They're free to what? Come on, say this with me. Follow the convictions of conscience. That's why if your conscience is bothering you, you got to be able to follow what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. That's important. And so as your conscience is speaking, then he goes to verse 9 through 12. And what he's saying is this. Here's a theological basis. He quotes a couple passages in Scripture. And the reason why he's doing that is simply that Jesus will be the ultimate judge of us. He is going to be the ultimate judge for every decision you've made, everything that you even you laced it with Scripture, but it's your own selfish ambition, whatever it is, you are going to have to stand before God. It doesn't mean that you're going to determine your salvation or not. You're going, to, you're going to go to, but in terms of rewards and what we see in Scripture, what God will give, that is, you're going to have to stand before God. Your co-leader or your leader is not going to be with you. I'm speaking up for them. They tried really hard. We met a couple, couple hours, a couple times a week. I don't know why I'm acting like that. Maybe I'm just a little bit tired. We had a long, we had a good ET meeting. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Okay, okay, then let me focus it. God is the ultimate judge. Therefore, you have to follow your conscience. Can I get a good amen to that? If you follow your leader because they tell you, you follow a pastor because they tell you, you follow your parents because they tell you, you follow whatever, I'm telling you right now, then you're going to have to stand before God, and you can't be like, it's not my fault. They told me. I'm the victim here. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. You made that decision. It's interesting because back in Michigan, we had an Indian couple from India. And, uh, you know, they were just married, I think, just a couple of years. Uh, they came to our church. And it was so interesting because one time they came up and you, you could tell something was wrong because as they're coming, you know, you finish preaching and, you know, we sing the last song, amen, and everyone's dispersing. But this Indian couple's running, they're coming right at me. And I could tell in their face something's up. So he comes up and he says, uh, Pastor, I have so we have something to ask of you. So I'm like, okay. Like, yeah, share with me what's going on. And they said, we're having problems. I go, oh, okay, like, what? You, you need to give me some more information. What's going on? We have been fighting. Well, at least they're honest. Uh, we have been fighting because, as you know, in our culture, there's something called Diwali. You guys know what that is? It's the festival that they celebrate. Yeah. And there are food that's offered to these idols 
And I feel like it'll be really rude. This is the guy speaking. It'll be really rude if we do not take the food and we don't eat it. And then I had the wife speak, you know. So usually after the guy speaks three minutes, then, you know, when the next person speaks, (laughs) sometimes it's more powerful, you know. And so she spoke. And she said, Pastor, I grew up in the church. And it's really hard to sometimes find Christians who are Indian because a lot of them are Hindus. And so a lot of them are in the southern part of India. And he says, I, I, I grew up in the church, and I was told that we should not participate in Diwali because these foods are sacrificed to all these millions of gods. You choose one. And then as they're sacrificed, I've been told that it is wrong. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is when you need the wisdom of Solomon. Bring that baby to me. No! Give it to her. It's her baby. You know, I wanted to do something like that. So I was was listening to the story. Okay, they're in a conflict. Obviously, they were fighting. And here's a, a lady, the wife, who grew up in a Christian fundamental home that believed that the, that participation of that festival, it is against the Christian beliefs. And here's a guy, and just, just to give you a little bit of history, he didn't come to know Jesus until later in life. So he's like, what's the big deal? So then I said, I, and I, in, in the process of listening, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, give me something, just anything, Lord. Maybe they can give it to me and I'll eat it. You know, I'm like, give me, give me something. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, give me something, you know? So I said, okay. I go, my brother, do do you understand why it is an issue for your wife? Because her conscience is bothering her. So you got to be able to respect that. You could try to argue her down. You could try to show her that how she's such a legalist, but that's her conviction. So you got to stand down. And then I told the lady, I go, you know, I really, you know, I honor that commitment that you feel that this is really important to you. But do you also understand for your husband, it's not a big issue. So in that moment of just trying to pray and discern, I said, I got it. So I said, this is what we're going to do. It's just a suggestion. You don't have to do it, but I'm going to give you a suggestion. And I said this person's name, the guy. I said, what I want you to do is I want you to take all that food. I want you to go to the garage, open up your car door, sit down, and eat it. And then once you're done, come out of the garage, out of the car, out of the garage, and go back home and give your wife a kiss. And they're both looking at me like, that's a great idea, Pastor. And I'm like, praise God. Because she was still able to keep her conscience and her convictions. Well, for him, it wasn't a big deal because he's hungry and he wants to eat. So he gets to do that, but not in her presence. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So here is Paul saying, hey, you got to be fully persuaded. If this is the day that you think is holy, then be convicted about it and stick with it. If you think that eating meat is wrong, then stick with it. But don't judge the person who's eating meat. And if you think that eating meat is great, you're like, meat, you know, awesome. Whoa, here's a veggie, so limpy, you know, here, you know. Like, do you see why that's kind of like scornful? That's almost like condemning. And so here's Paul saying, you guys, listen, there's so many issues in the church. 
in here in Rome. And he's saying, don't let this divide you. It's such a petty thing when you think about the bigger picture of stuff. And that's what he's arguing for. So can I ask us, when we think about our lives right now, are you judgmental? Do you despise people? Do you condemn people? Do you criticize people? Because what that shows you is not only do you not have love, but you think you're better than everyone else. And that is your pride and that's going to be your downfall. Do you value people? Do you realize that you cannot, you cannot change people? So that's why you got to give them to the Lord, let God speak to them, let them get a conviction, and then respond. Because they have to be the ones who have stand before God. Do you have convictions? And you're not swayed by other people's opinion, but you know that God spoke to you in that way because you can back it up not only with Scripture, but there's peace in your heart. We must esteem one another. And we must then, the second thing is that when God's love is shared in community, then we can reach out to others in unity. Not only when we esteem one another, but you'll see it here when we encourage one another. Let me close with reading these 13 verse 9 through 19. Listen to what it says. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and I'm persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love, but what you eat. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. I want you to just think about that passage. Just meditate on that for a moment. That's a powerful thought. And I'll explain a little bit about that. And then he goes on and goes, So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbringing. What is Paul trying to say? He is arguing that since he explained why we shouldn't pass judgment, we need to make a decision. That's what he's trying to say. And that decision is to never put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a fellow brother or sister in Christ. What Paul is saying is that even though you might be free to live according to your convictions, and it might not be the same as that other person, but we have to remember the principle of love. I want everyone to say principle of love. He goes, even though you can eat the meat, even though you can do all the stuff because you're free, but remember the principle of love. Even though you're being true to your convictions, but you want to judge these other people because they're not doing what you're doing, He's saying you got to remember the principle of love. And why is this principle of love so important? Because if it bothers our conscience, the way, best way to love them is to not put that temptation or that thing before them. I want you to look at that phrase, building block, or building block, stumbling block. <laughs> stumbling block and it says it has this idea of something that a person trips over so it can be an obstacle which is like a trap or a snare which then is anything that causes another person to sin 
That's how Paul is using it. That's why, listen to the Amplified version and you'll get this idea. Listen to what it says here. It says, then let us not criticize one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block or what? A source of temptation in another believer's way. So if I know that a person is weak when it comes to alcohol, I am not going to drink alcohol even though I'm free to drink it. See, this is where I realize that some of you don't think about the principle of love. If going shopping, it's a stumbling block for some because they're addicted to shopping. That's where they find their source of value. Then we're not going to be like, what activity shall we do? Shall we go shopping? If they're weak with video games because they get, they're addicted. Hey, man, what do you want to do? I don't know. Do you want to play some video games? You, you, you are not operating on the principle of love. Come on, can I get a good amen? You guys know what I'm talking about? You're forgetting who they are, where they are, what is it that they're struggling with. If you love them, you don't want them to go down this path. So you're going to do everything possible so that you can help them. That's what Paul is arguing for. Not only do you esteem them and say, if that's what God is telling you, then I respect that. But you got to encourage them and not put any stumbling block their way so that it will be a source of temptation for them. Because can you imagine? It's like, what are we having? We're having pork. We're having, you know, beef. We're having, like, chicken. What do the vegetarians feel? Oh. Because some of them are in your life group. And then finally, one of the leaders catches on. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. We didn't have anything that's vegetarian. I'm vegan. Well, we don't have anything vegan. <laughs> or, I'm a vegan. And I'm a vegetarian. And every single life group, every cake that we have, it better be good. Because you're not, you got to remember me. So people are running around trying all over the world, all over Hong Kong to get something. So are you with me? I'm trying to get both sides here. How do you then operate in this principle of love? Oh, this person, do not, they don't eat meat. So I'm going to try to, because you're thinking about that. Get some stuff that they will be able to eat so that they won't have to, have to just stand there and can't eat anything. Because I, I esteem them. I want to encourage them. I don't want to be like... <laughs> You know, then they're going to be like, okay. In the same way, some of us, I know you, because I don't know what you feel, because I'm not a vegetarian or, nor a vegan. But some of you know that, yes, sometimes people do forget. And you make a big deal out of this. Then what, how do they feel? Guilty. They feel really bad. You draw attention to yourself. That's not a principle of love. So what I'm trying to say is this. Here's Paul arguing for this. Don't be a stumbling block because that is going to be the very thing that's not going to build up this community and you're not going to be able to be unified and to reach out to the people around you. And that's why verse 17 is such a good reminder. He says the kingdom of God is what? It's not about a matter of eating or drinking. Come on, can I get a good amen to that? It's not just about eating and drinking. Even though we, we, we like to eat, we like to drink the 
the lemon iced tea or whatever else you drink, it's good. That's how you have good fellowship, right? You got to have one of those things. But the thing is this, it's not, it's not about that. It's about peace. It's about righteousness. It's about the joy. That's the point he's trying to make here. So I'm wondering how often do we make the minor things into the major things and the major things we make into the minor things? Keep the main thing, the main thing, the major things, the major things, the minor things, the minor things, and let those things go. And that's why in verse 19, he talks about let us pursue. It's translated, let us keep on pursuing. It's not just pursue and we're done. You got to keep on working at it. It's like relationship. You cannot just be like, oh, that was a great hike. See you later. And then you're done. No, keep on hiking. I guess that, or keep on interacting. Keep that relationship going as you begin to love one another. And that's why the phrase mutual upbringing, that phrase is mutual edification. That's why Amplified Version, again, I want you to read it. It says this, so then let us pursue with what? Enthusiasm. You're excited because this is something that's important to the heart of God. The things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Things that which leads to what? Let me pause here. I'm wondering your friendships, the things that you guys do, the hangouts that you have. Does it help people in their spiritual growth? That doesn't mean you're like, we're having a hangout. What are we doing? We're reading the Bible. I don't know if I want to go. So it's not necessary. Are you with me? It's not necessarily what you do. It's the attitude coming in there to give, to come in there to uplift, to come in there to look a little bit discouraged. You have a hard week. I want to be a blessing to you. It's a mindset that you go in there. It's not you have to read the Bible and pray all the time, but it's just who you are that exudes out of you because you're operating in the principle of love. I want to encourage. I want to bless, and I want to be able to esteem you because you're so important to part of our family of Christ, and we want you to keep on growing. Do you have that kind of heart when you think about your friendships and your life group? And as we look ahead into the summer, we're going to have these awesome life groups where we're going to go over the 50 days of freedom. Do you have that kind of heart to say, I want to be a blessing because God has blessed me? And then in closing, in verse 20 to 23, listen to what he's saying. He simply says, do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from what faith for ever, whatever for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin I, this is the interesting part what he's simply saying is destroy how do you destroy is tearing down that's a translation tearing down it has a sense of causing ruin or downfall i'm wondering if some of us really think about how many people we have caused their downfall i don't think we think like that because of your attitude, because you're so self-centered, because you didn't get what you want, you start complaining, you start criticizing, you're saying all this stuff. And here's a young Christian looking at you. They're listening to you, and they're like, oh, I guess this is what Christianity is about. I don't want any of this. Well, I didn't know, Pastor, because, you know, I thought they were my friends, and we're just kind of talking. No, because the things that you say in the quietness of rooms those are the things that sometimes make an impact and a mark on people, and especially those who are new to our church, those who are young in the faith. So those of us who are older in the faith, you have no excuse. 
Because sometimes what we do is we destroy people's faith. Not that you do it maliciously, but because you're not thinking, because you don't have the heart, because your heart has hardened, your heart is wandering away, that the things that you say, the things that you do, you are destroying people's faith. I'm not here to try to make you feel guilty, but as Paul says, do not allow some of these things that are minor things, don't allow them to destroy the faith of those around you. That is not a loving community. That is not a community that's going to be united to reach out to the people around them. That's why, let, let me just close. One thing, once again, is when God's love is shared in community, we can reach out to others in unity. I think this is the beauty of the gospel message. And it's simply this, that for every single thing that we think about doing or not doing, and we struggle through with this, that God in his mercy, knowing that we are going to fall short every single time, because how many times we stumble and we fall, but God has given the provision, that's through Jesus Christ, who perfectly obeyed the law, who perfectly followed through, so now when we put his trust, our trust in him, he will help us to live for him. Let me give us a couple things to us to think about. First of all, as we think about some next steps, so how, how do you take a message like this and then apply it? I, th I think it's an easy message to apply because once again, chapter 12 all the way to chapter 16 is very application oriented. The first thing I want to encourage you is this. See people as God's creation. As soon as you get frustrated, as soon as you see that person like, oh my God, I, this person is so messed up. Like before you get there, just pause for a moment and see them as, oh, they, I see the image of God in them. They bear the image of God. So as you're criticizing, you're having negative thoughts, you're judgmental, critical, all that stuff, you're criticizing God because they bear the image of God. So pause before you get there and just say, I want to, God, help me to see them as your creation. The second thing is this, seek the best of others. Now, I need to qualify this because some of you think that seek the best of others is not to bring anything up. Are you kidding me? That shows me you don't really care. You care about yourself. Why is that? Because you don't want to get any backlash. You don't want to be rejected. You don't want them not to contact you anymore. So you don't say anything when everything blaringly tells you it is wrong. Your conscience is bothering you. That's why some of your conscience is now seared. So nothing bothers you anymore. When those things that used to, when you were humble, when you were open to God and you're saying, God, I want to follow you. I want to love you. But now it doesn't bother you anymore. If you want to seek the best of others, that means that sometimes you got to stop doing certain things. That means that sometimes you got to start doing things. Hey, man, this is really hard for me to bring up with you, but I just want to say, you're just being selfish. Oh, thank you so much for telling me that. I'm so glad you, no, they're not going to say that. Only when they're really humble. One out of ten, two out of ten maybe. But most people are like, who the heck are you? Hey, bro, because I love you, man. And I don't want you to go down a path that's going to harden your heart. And I guarantee you, because I've experienced in my life, all the people who have done that in my life, not only do I thank them, but some of them are my closest friends. And those people that I've done to them, they, 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 they didn't talk to me for months. Thank God we didn't have social media back then. They would have defriended me. They just didn't call. They didn't do anything. They just didn't talk to me. 
Was I hurt? Of course. But now we're some of the closest friends because we went through war together. We, we are willing to go through anywhere together. The Himalayas, we'll go there. That's why some of your friendships are so shallow and there's no change. You guys do the same thing. Oh, we just eat and just kind of hang out. And I'm like, where is this friendship going? Some of you are in relationships. It's not going anywhere. Some of you might have to pause and say, maybe this is not the healthy thing. My consciousness is now bothering me because the Holy Spirit is speaking. Maybe that's why I haven't been growing. Maybe that's why my heart is feeling the way it has for the last couple months. And there have been people who've been trying to speak to you. There are people who love you, who are trying to gently just say, hey, come on. Like, let's think back to what God is trying to purpose for you in your life. I mean, we have too many nice people in our church who love you. But if you set up an appointment with me, I'm going to be very nice too. But I will guarantee I will speak the truth. And depending on what kind of personality you have, I'll tone it down or tone it up. I am not shy from speaking the truth because I want the best for you. Pastor Bo and I, we want the best for you. We cannot live your life, but we want the best for you. So that's why sometimes we will share some hard things. But you don't understand. There are times when I go back home and I sit there just thinking, oh, that was a hard message to share. I don't even know if people received it. And then later I get a text and they're like, Pastor, that really spoke to me. I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you. I'm like, praise God. Seek the best for others. Number three, self-sacrifice because of God's love. I enjoy doing this, but the principle of love, this person might get stumbled. It might push them further away. God, I'm not going to do it. I have the freedom to do it. I'm at peace at doing it. But because of the principle of love, I'm not going to do it. The more you do this, the more you're ready for marriage. Come on, Jesus. Come on. Some of you are like, I want to be ready for marriage. You start doing this. You'll be ready. Because you know how many times when you get married, there's going to be things for self-sacrifice. You're like, oh my God. You know, hamburgers again. But you made it with your lovely hands. So I will eat it. Even though I'm gaining some weight, I will eat it. In Jesus' name, self-sacrifice yourself with God's love because you love that person. Lastly, strive for things that are about God's kingdom. Man, I, I just do pray that our church will be filled with people who will live for God's kingdom. And through that, when we die, which we all will one day, some longer will live longer than others, but we will all die will either be cremated or dug six feet in the ground. And all I can say to you is this. I just pray that on your tombstone, it will say something about how you live this earth and impacted many people's lives. That's why I tell people, weddings are awesome. But you can miss weddings. But I always tell people, don't miss funerals. Because that's an opportunity to honor somebody who impacted your life. And I've always said this before, but you know how a person lived their lives by how many people come to their funeral. I have been in funerals with almost a thousand people, and I'm sitting there looking around. I'm thinking, wow, this person impacted this many people and many more. Tributes all over. I've been to other funerals that are a little bit smaller. Some I didn't know very well. But like I said, you could always know how a person lived their lives, not by their wedding, 
because who doesn't want free food? Or at least discount it because you give a little bit, but you get more. But if people are willing to fly half across the world, that shows you the impact that that person had. I pray that at your funeral, that you'll have so many people that you've invested in. But I got to show you this video. I, I, I got teared up. A hard heart like mine, if it moves me, hopefully it will move you. There's a guy named Clint uh, Pulver, and he's a motivational speaker, but he tells a story when he was really young. There was a man named Mr. Benson who did something that changed his life. And that's what I'm saying is you got to be able to see it and then respond in love. And it will change. In that one moment, it will change the course of someone's life. Thank you, bro. Let's, let's, let's watch. It's just a couple minutes. Let's watch this together. Come on, church. Let's stand out. I'm just going to pray and release you guys. Lord, I just pray that you'll give us eyes of faith to see, see things that are not yet here. And when we think about our church, we think about our life groups, we think about our community, Lord, we've been more than blessed. Thank you for reaching out to us. Thank you, Lord, for being patient. And we just want to learn how to die to ourselves. Forgive us, Lord, for always having such a high opinion about who we are when we totally forget it's because of the gospel. We are who we are, and we are where we are because of you. And I pray that we'll never forget that. Forgive us for feeling entitled or taking things for granted. Forgive us for forgetting our own story of how we were lost and you found us. And we're just praying for that heart of humility so we can build a community of love so that when the world sees us or when they join us and they're a part of what we're doing, Lord, they will be, they will be experiencing the things that we have experienced. I pray that we will never settle for just enough. But God, I pray that if there's any broken relationships, unreconciled relationships, because we have judged or we have looked down upon, we have scorned, we have condemned, we have criticized, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will convict us.
that we will humble ourselves and knowing that we don't deserve anything. That as you have freely forgiven us, that you will teach us how to forgive. And through that, Lord, we can see so many potential in people around us that some of them will change the world. Once again, we pray for this youth group. We pray for this next generation. And we pray, Lord, in this act of faith and we're sowing in seeds of faith that you will use latitude in a way that will impact generations all over Hong Kong and beyond. We're praying for our university ministries, Lord. We pray that many, some who are struggling, whether financially or difficult things that they're going through, that they'll know that they have a community that loves them. And we got their backs. I pray for all those precious single adults in our church. Lord, thank you for them. Somehow I pray that you'll capture their hearts once again. Lord, for some of them, they've been in our church for some time and they've been there, done that, but I pray that you will renew their hearts. And in this precious time where it's so easy to fall into the traps of this world, pursuing after their own career, their own dreams, God, I pray that you will stir in them, Lord, a love for the kingdom of God, that it is not their job, but you provided that job for them. It's not their money. It's not their time but you're providing it for them. I pray that they will be diligent investors of resources that will transform the world. We're praying for all the married couples in our church, Lord. Those who are struggling, those who are having marital problems, those who are, Lord, just going through things in their lives with their children. We're praying, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you'll capture them, Lord. And we pray for the children in our church. We pray that the Building Blocks ministry and as we partner together with the families that we will see strong families being raised up, Lord. Because strong families allow strong societies and strong societies will change the world. And we're praying for that, Lord. So Holy Spirit, I just pray even in Romans 14 that we will operate on the principle of love that we will esteem one another. We will encourage one another. Because when your love is experienced in community, Lord, we're going to be able to reach out in unity. We pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us for your glory, for your namesake. We thank you, Lord. We just we just receive. I'm, I'm going to encourage us. Can we just do that? Let's just lift our hands to the Lord. Just however you feel comfortable, just the signs of just open hands. Lord, with surrendered hands, as our hands are now surrendered, we're praying that you will give to us whatever it is that we need so that we can live this life for you and for your glory. So come, Holy Spirit. We pray for a fresh wind that will blow upon every single one of our hearts, Lord, that you will come upon us and that we will say yes to you, Lord. Because when we say yes to you, we're saying no to other things. And we're praying, God, that that will free us, that will release us, Lord. Just new things. I pray that you'll give new visions and new, Lord God, just anointing upon every single one of us, Lord. 
So we receive it. We receive it in Jesus' name. And as we take it, Lord, we'll appropriate it and use it for your namesake and for your glory. So I thank you, Lord, for our church. I thank you for every single person. We thank you for one another, that we're not here and doing this alone, but we're together. And we're confident, Lord, that you're going to do immeasurably more than all that we have, all that we can imagine beyond those things because you are awesome, God. Thank you, Lord, as we close out even the end of the year, seeing the video and all that you have done. It is your story that you're writing in our hearts, and we are grateful. We are forever grateful. We don't deserve it, Lord, but you have been faithful. You have been good. So we receive it with thankfulness. And may we, Lord, live it out now for your name's sake. Come on, let's give God some glory. Amen. 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 Well, praise God. Go have some lunch. Come back. We'll see you guys later. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.